Hey everybody, welcome back to the Forward Podcast. I'm your host, Lance Armstrong. My guest this week, Dale Earnhardt Jr. We've had a lot of requests for people to come on the podcast over the last year and a half. And I gotta say, Dale Earnhardt Jr. is, I don't know if he's at the top of the list, but he was the top two or three. One of the greatest NASCAR families ever, him also being one of the greatest drivers ever, um, new to the cycling community. We've had a little banter back and forth on social media, which has been fun. Uh, we, we ran into each other over the holidays uh, up in Colorado. I uh, asked him to come on. He was super cool about it, came on right away. I think you'll enjoy the conversation. It's not your typical NASCAR conversation. Um, but before we get to Dale, a couple of things. I also, too, this week, uh, I'm going to give a little preview or a little... Uh, uh, a little tip off of, uh, what I did this week. I spent, uh, we were out in San Francisco working on the finance side of, of our new corp. We do. Um, but months and months and months ago, I was asked by some folks to go spend the day at San Quentin, the, uh, the prison just outside of San Francisco. When they asked me to do it, I immediately said, sure, happy to do that. But what I saw inside was not at all what I expected. There's a program there, uh, a nonprofit program called The Last Mile, where they are taking prisoners, and these are not um, these aren't people that stole uh, a pack of gum. These are these are hard criminals, and they're taking them and teaching them to code, right? And so these guys are. Well, I guess what you should know is almost all of these guys, regardless of how violent their crime was, they do get out. But what the last mile does is it takes them and teaches them to code. And so not only do they get out, but when they get out, they get these amazing jobs. And they get these jobs in these fields that actually need people. There's a huge deficit of, of actual people to fill these roles at these tech companies. Uh, Chris Redlitz and his wife, Beverly, who started this thing, are true inspirations, true heroes. And for those of you who... Um, you know, who might think that these guys don't deserve a second chance. Let me just give you a couple of stats, right? The first stat I already told you, and that is that they're, they're all getting out anyways. The second and most important stat is that if you take a prisoner who gets out without any kind of education, any kind of true rehabilitation inside prison, their recidivism rate, which means the rate at which they then turn right around and go back to prison is 60%. The recidivism rate with inmates that go through the last mile program is exactly 0%. So you have these guys, again, they're all getting out, but these guys are getting out with real skill in a field that needs people, uh, and they've completely rehabilitated their lives. It, it was one of the most influential, important days of my life, and I don't, I don't say that lightly. But what we did is we left... Um, we left San Quentin, went back into the city, and I actually podcasted for a future episode, Chris Redlitz, the founder of The Last Mile, and Chris Schumacher, a man who spent almost 20 years in prison for murder, uh, went through The Last Mile program, um, uh, learned to code, and is now a successful coder in the city of San Francisco, also an amazing athlete, too. Uh, one of the most surreal, intense conversations I've had on this podcast. So stay tuned for that in the coming weeks. Uh, while I got you, uh, one little other shout out, my good friend, Peter Park, 
who you longtime fans will know Peter. I trained with Peter for many, many years. Um, one of the best in the business out of Santa Barbara. He's got a new book out. It's called Rebound. Regain strength, move effortlessly, live without limits at any age. It's on Amazon, Peter Park. Uh, and and if Peter, if you're listening, thank you for the uh, amazing shout out in the intro. Uh, I love you, brother. And uh, I really, really enjoyed our time together. Before we get to Dale, uh, just a little slight tangent off Peter Park. He is uh, from Santa Barbara, lives in Santa Barbara. To all of my friends and loved ones out there uh, in that area that, A, uh, were affected by terrible fires and who now have been really, really affected by these mudslides, um, we're thinking about you and pulling for you and hope you hang in there uh, and look forward to getting out there soon and, and hitting some rides and, and uh, working out with Peter Park. Our Survivor of the Week is Angela Nessel. This was sent in by her son, Tom Nessel. Tom says that Angela is the most driven and caring person that I know in a single mother of three, of which he's one of, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer in 2015. And despite her longtime boyfriend going back on the bottle and much of her family still leaning on her for the support she's always provided, she fought and fought hard. She's received the best care at Mass General, her contagious energy carried her and the entire A-team, they call it, through her months of chemo. Through this process, she visited the historical sites of Boston, helped prepare holiday meals for the family, and was the life of whatever situation she was in. After surgery, she had what they call no evidence of disease. And so Tom, the son, banded together six of us to run the 200-mile relay, the Reebok Ragnar Adirondacks which they won, set a course record, and raised 26000 bucks for uh, cancer research, pancreatic cancer research. Um, then after that, at the age of 26, a friend of his is diagnosed with advanced testicular cancer and been in treatment ever since. He possesses a joie de vivre that the, that the entire time that, I've come, that he's never seen before creates an environment that others want to be around. Treatment be damned. He was privileged to race in New York City Marathon and raise $12,000 for the Cancer Center in his honor. Tom, you are, a, you are a fundraising fool. Congratulations. So over the past three weeks, over the holidays, two things happened. His mother, Angela, was diagnosed with a metastatic recurrence of her cancer. So they went on a dream vacation to Italy that included getting the Pope on the A-team. Don't know how he did that. Congratulations on that, too. Um, prior to her starting treatment again. Secondly, his buddy fought his way back from life support to sleeping in his own bed. Tom, thanks for sending those in. Um, and to your, your mother and to your buddy, uh, we're all pulling for them and um, look forward to hearing positive and encouraging updates in the future. Hey, send me an email if you got any questions or comments, concerns, suggestions, whatever. New email, forward at we do dot team w-e-d-u dot team you're all on the team because you're listening uh thanks for tuning in here comes dale jr dale jr thanks for being here man yeah i appreciate it thanks for having me you got uh you got a lot of time on your hands now well, that's I, that's something I'm not real sure about. Right. Know, I've retired from driving cars, but it seems like I'm still doing a lot of stuff outside yep. of the outside of driving. But um, I got a 
I'm going to go into the broadcast booth next year for NBC, and there's a lot of – I haven't never done anything like that before. Right. I've got a lot of preparation to do, so I'm going to yep. make myself available to those guys for the first So in months. that's like you're not down on pit row. You're you're in the in the booth with from, – From what I've been told, yeah, I think I'm going to be in the booth. <laughs> I've I'm, I'm got a meeting with them in New York in a couple of weeks really to get down to the, the you know nuts and bolts of everything of what we're going to be doing. So And do you have to – I don't want to say train for that, but like, you know, take lessons or yeah. coaching well what they do is the, so our season split in half between fox and nbc and right. so the nbc guys will um sort of uh they'll call a race yep. in the first half of the season um just to practice they'll do a little a fake practice run and broadcast an event that fox is actually broadcasting that'll never air so we'll do that a couple times and the, they'll tell us you know what they liked and didn't liked and yeah, that's simulating, like simulating. Simulating, yeah, yeah, so yeah. we'll do that. But, uh, I, you know, I'm just going to sit down in front of my bosses and tell them to grill me and put me in front of the right people to get tutored. And, and so NBC does, they alternate weekends? I should know this because I no, watch that. Fox has the first half of the season. And then in July, right midpoint of the year, NBC takes off and, and does the rest of the year. Gotcha. And and Gordon is on, Jeff Gordon's on Fox. Fox, yeah. So Jeff's on Fox, and I sat down with him, and when I was thinking, so I was, I had a concussion in 2016. I missed half of the season. I had an opportunity to go into the booth a couple times while I was outside of the car, and I did that because I wanted to see if I'd like it, and I didn't know what I was going to do after I got done driving, and I knew with this concussion that I probably didn't need to drive too much further. So right. <laughs> I ended my, I finished my contract with Rick, and, uh, I was like, man, you know, what am I going to do? I need a, I want to keep working. I need a passion. Um, and so I went into the booth a couple of times in 2016 and loved it, man. I, I knew I'd like it, yeah. but I went in there and just came out on a cloud nine every time. Yep. And so that checked that box. I'm like, that's what I want to try to do. And do you, and I had Bodie Miller on the show the other day. And so he, he's doing the ski commentary for right. the Olympics, uh, for NBC. And so, and we had this conversation, like he's now, now talking about, friends and guys he raced with and guys he cares about and you know do, i mean it's gonna be the same thing for you you're you know you're gonna see jimmy out there and all right. these other and you know you got to call it the way it is and in your mind and i did the same thing for the tour last summer i'm sure you listened to my tour to france podcast but <laughs> um you know i just call it exactly the way i see it i right. don't care who it is and so you're gonna you know because they'll yeah that's the thing that's going to be difficult because uh, as a driver, I took offense, you know, to, to different things right. that commentators might say. Yeah, all athletes do. Right. And you would have a list of guys that you didn't like and guys that you liked, guys and girls and, and um, people you refused to work with or do a, do a story with mm. because they, they you felt you, they'd wronged you at some point. But I, can't, the, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I've never, ever viewed a journalist in that way. I mean, <laughs> just, that's new to me. Exactly. Okay. So I, I know when I get in the booth, I don't know exactly how to walk through that. Um, but you got it. It's going to be hard. You, being you, you have to. Yeah, call it's going it, to be hard not right. to call it the right. way you see it, and to, and and you know, the, you just can't do it to the point to where the drivers shut you off or shut you out. Yeah. You know, you're no good to the com Dude, to the broadcast. Nobody's going to shut you. Well, out. I'm just saying you're no good to the broadcast if you can't communicate or the drivers won't communicate with you. You know, right. but they appreciate drivers appreciate. Uh, Guys that are down in the garage, in the muck, talking to them, yep. asking them questions. Um, they don't like the commentator that's up in the booth all the time pretending to know the answers and pretending to know what the drivers are talking about. They want to see the commentators down there in the in the middle of the mess. And 
So I'm going to try to be there and do that. And you wear coat and tie, suit and tie. That's make, gonna make hair and makeup. All yeah. that. I mean, it's just, oh, I've been. Shopping. I see Gordon. I'm like, dude. I've been. I don't have a whole lot of. I don't have many sports coats. So yeah, I've been on. The, <laughs> I've been on the uh, on, on the shopping spree here lately, trying to get ready. But and I'm not too uncomfortable in that stuff. And yeah. No, but for the junior nation, you know, you hold this huge following. They're, they're going to be like, they're used to seeing you in that. It won't fire take suit. them long, I guess, to get used to it. I guess I. It's not. I wish we wore t-shirts in the booth, but yeah. or hoodies or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Your hat on backwards, right? Um, and you got a baby on the way. I do. Yeah, Amy, baby and, girl. Yeah, me and Amy got married. We're we're uh, celebrating our first anniversary. We got married last year on New Year's Eve. Yep. We've been together ten years, and uh, the reason why we took so long to get married because I didn't know what I was doing. I was very smart, and she stuck with me. Right, got me turned around, and. Uh, I think it's the weirdest thing that people are together for 10 years and then finally get engaged. Get it figured out. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I can't relate to that. I mean, who does <laughs> I was a mess, man. I'm, and, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. Right. I mean, I did exactly the same thing. Yep. It's something. <laughs> I mean, I, and it's, I always credit Amy, and I know it's easy to do, but the truth is that had it not been for her vision, I guess, uh, and, and stick-to-itiveness and, and, and confidence in the, relationship it yeah. wouldn't have happened right. you know I, I i didn't i wasn't responsible enough to keep it together um but she hung in there and saw something in me that yeah. you know a lot of people didn't see and we got uh yeah we got married last year and it's been amazing uh we had obviously had a lot of conversations about kids and everything so we're ready to get get that going and yeah. it's baby girl baby girl doing may first of may um it's awesome to watch her belly change and to we're just now at the point where we can feel the baby kicking and yeah and she's been feeling it forever because right. she's you know she's carrying it but right. i'm finally able to feel it and um it's real you and know? I, just, I saw you on kimmel where you were guys were or he was giving you ribbing you about picking the names yes. and you got you guys circulate there's a doc circuit documentary yeah. or not, a document circulating where she picks a name or you have a list yeah. of names and she throws out all your names and yeah so I we i thought that i would have a little <laughs> influence but i'm learning that it's really i got a I gotta like what she likes, right? And yeah, that's smart. Yeah, I'm learning. So but, what do we settle on? Well, we haven't picked one yet. Okay. So we we got about three or four that we like, yep. and we're bouncing around with. But she said something really smart. She's like, "Man, let's," because I'm Russian. I'm like, "Let's." I want to do the nursery now. Let's do the nursery. Let's get. Let's get. The, I'm so excited yep. that I want to get everything going, and I'm worried that if she's in the the last couple of months of her pregnancy, she's not going to be want to mess with all that stuff. So let's get started. She's like, let's be patient. What do they call it? They call that uh, nesting. Nesting. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, she, ne you're nesting. I'm nesting. So she's, uh, she's like, let's just, you know, we don't have to decide on a name. We like this one. We like this one. Let's just wait till the day. And, and you know, what if we find a new name or another name that comes up in those last few months? So she's slowing me down and it's, uh, but she, we got some cool names yeah. ready to go. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. No, it'll and she's a Texan. Amy's yeah, a Texan. Yeah. I think I read she's from Texas. Where's she's she? from Victoria, which is oh, where Stone, Stone, yeah, Stone Cold know. Steve Austin's from. Oh, Stone yeah. Cold's from there? <laughs> yeah. That's a big natural gas area down there. Absolutely. There's, there's, those people are sneaky rich down yeah. there in Victoria. Yeah. Like they that little town like it's a small town. They're loaded. Everybody's loaded. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not everybody. Well, yeah, it's a small town and uh she grew up there, uh, went to school with Kentucky, and then when I met her, she was living in Jacksonville. So she uh, she was part of the design team that was uh, we had hired to build this house that I live in now. Huh. And so with like this badass man cave or right. something I've seen. I've heard so about. She it. well, she 
when she walked into the room for the first meeting, I, I was like, that's the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life. And uh, so we're going through the whole process. It took us a year to build this house. And so we, we had a lot of meetings and conversations. Like, Perfect. Let's take a little longer. Right. So I told her at some point, I said, you know, you just build it how you want to build it because you're going to be living in it one day. You told her that? Yeah. I was confident that I was going to figure out how to, Whoa. you know, how to be, how to make her my wife someday. And what'd she say? Was she like, what are she you just, talking about? You know, she just she probably laughed. had a dude at the time. Yeah, she just laughed. It was, uh, you know, I, I was in the, I was sort of, uh, I was a bachelor and, yeah. and single and running like a madman and having fun and yeah. racing and didn't really care about much and didn't even know why Drinking. I was building a house. Yeah, partying all the time and hanging out with my buddies. I went from, uh, we have a house in Key West, first, first and only really vacation home I have ever bought. And when I, when we first started dating, I tell people this, when we first started dating, I used to always talk to her about like, man, I want to go down there with my buddies in a couple months. And she'd go, when are we going to go? Just me and you. And I'm like, yeah. that's, that's dumb. Who wants to do that? That sounds pretty <laughs> boring. I want to go down there with all my buddies. Can you and my buddies go? You know? And she's, and now we, now we go down there by ourselves and right. I can't imagine going, you know, on a guy's trip for four days, right. you know, maybe a couple of nights, but, um, now it's me and her every time and. I wouldn't have any other way. Wow. She's she's beautiful. I, the, I, she was on, you guys were on Dan Patrick. You did like the newlywed quiz or something like that. And Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I was like, damn. Dale, I kicked his cover. <laughs> Sa- certainly. Absolutely. Yeah. Key West, how did that place? I mean, I didn't even know you had a place down there, but yeah. did, it's, it hold up after? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We're in good shape. Key West got nuked. We're, yeah. The, mid, the middle keys got beat up pretty bad, and they're, they're still really in bad, bad shape. Mm. Um, You've but, been down since? Yeah. But a lot of people, um, the old town Key West, Vall Street, that people are familiar yeah. with, is doing great, and it's ready for you know tourists now. Right, the ship, cruise ships, and everything. Yeah, all that's back. happening. Yeah. Uh, every all the there was no real ma- major damage to any of the businesses or anything like mm-hmm. that. So that place is rocking and rolling. Our house survived uh, everything, and we're doing. Funny thing about that is, is we've been down there eight years. We bought the house. Uh, we bought another house near us, and we're uh, renovating that for a DIY show. So we've been down there. It's about halfway through. We go down there about twice a month. For a what show? For a DIY. Do-it-yourself show? Do-it-yourself show. Yeah, so we're re- renovating this house. Like, we're in there, like, tearing it apart, doing the demo, building the on house. On TV? On TV. Yeah, we're filming the show, me and Amy. And she's pregnant. And, wow. uh, yeah, so we're trying. We're about halfway done. I don't know what, I mean, this is totally random, but I, I don't know what, because you've really gotten into cycling, which I, we're going to start talking about. Yeah. But I don't know what components you ride. I think you ride Trek, right? So yes. what in Shimano or SRAM on, on the, which components, like the brakes and derailleurs? And- uh, well, I got two bikes, and I believe they they have both. I mean, they, I'm sort of don't have, I don't have the same thing on both bikes. Okay. One of, the first, so this is how that worked out. So, so one must be Shimano and one yeah. is probably SRAM. Right. So the founder, the reason I would say this is the founder of SRAM, Stan Day, who's an amazing guy, has a great house in Key West. I'll introduce oh, okay. you to him. He's a super yeah, 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 yeah. He rides a lot down Jimmy, there. yeah, Jimmy has told me. So Jimmy's who, the person, Jimmy Johnson's the person who got me into cycling. Right. You're a good buddy. My good buddy. And he gave me a, probably, I think it's a 2012 Trek and said, you need to start riding. So this thing sat on them, you know, sat sat in the corner for a year. You never, t- you just didn't try. I mean, I messed with it up and down the driveway, but I'm like, I just don't know about this. And I was really, you didn't want, you didn't want to wear, uh, I didn't want to wear spandex, spandex and all that. Yeah. yeah. So eventually, um, this past year in March, I remember my first ride, uh, we were in Atlanta racing and it's about the second or third race of the year. 
And so he talked me into it. We went on a 16 mile trip and been hooked ever since. And bike I, shoes clipped in the yeah, whole thing, yeah. or you just had your clipped like in. flat pedals clipped in. Okay. And I've never, you know, knock on wood, I've never fell, uh, never forgot to clip, you know, come unclip for a right. light or anything right. like that. Um, he told me I would, but I've had good luck. Um, <clears throat> but that bike there it has different components than this new bike that he. Uh, he set me up with, yeah. so he got he's got me in the in the treks and and I'm all, I'm I mean it's kind of from what I know uh, I'm talking to someone who knows every single thing there is to know about bikes, but <laughs> from what I know it seems you you know you pick a you pick a make a brand right. uh, that's that bike store that you go to in town yep. is your store that's your shop right and when it breaks you take it back that's there. where you go to yep. and so I'm a trek guy uh, we got a shop called Cool Breeze in Mooresville that I go to. Uh, the guys there are great, and uh, I just got a Alchemy mountain bike yeah. chassis gave to me by the guys, and uh, we were at the Phoenix race, and that's at Cool Breeze now getting built. I've never never done that. Yeah, so love it. Going to get Especially into that places a little bit. like here. I'm looking forward to that. So everybody's been telling me on the you know while we're riding on the ride on the road that man you got to try mountain bikes. So I'm gonna give that a go, and I really enjoy it. I just you know for me, I'm 43 years old. I couldn't ever really find anything that I could stick to yep. for fitness, and this has been real easy to stick to because huh, I I love the and what what keeps me plugged into it is the technology. Yeah, I I mean if it was just the bike and me, it'd be a little more challenging mm-hmm. for me. But I love the the I, I love being able to log rides, compete against myself, compete against other people. That's and why you're I, on Strava, you're yeah. on Zwift, you're on yeah. all these things. I, I see so I see your your feed with all this. Yeah. So I love that part. That that part of it keeps pushing me and watching my growth or improvement yep. and or lack of it if I get lazy. Yeah. You know, and, and and you ride with your wife. I gave you a little grief about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, where I I live on the other side of town, so to speak, from yep. where Jimmy's down in Charlotte. A lot of guys right. down he, there. He riding. lives in this swanky neighborhood. Exactly. But all the Gordons all, around the corner. Yeah. All, uh, uh, the other guy who's a triathlete who's really fit. Uh, Landon. Yeah. Landon. He lives around. I mean, those cycling are cycling like, buddies everywhere down. Yeah. There. And I'm on a, I'm over in the woods, and the I don't booty have loop. They call it the booty right. loop. Right. I just on. rode that for the yeah. first time uh, with Jimmy the other week. Yep. And um, but I'm on I'm in the woods out there on the other side of town. It's not really uh, a lot of people riding bikes out there. I pass a few people out on my around my area, but uh, yeah, I got Amy on an e-bike so she can keep up. She she probably I don't even know what she'd average uh, if she she rode on a bike a regular bike, but she gets on the e-bike and. Yeah. She can ride with me at seventeen yeah, I love it. to nineteen mile an hour. I just I love I love the idea of e bikes, but uh, yeah, when you start putting stuff on social media and stuff like I'm riding with my wife and everything, that's like not trying, good. <laughs> well, it's good for you, but it's not good for any other dude in the world. Why? Oh, because they because then they're yeah. hey, well, did you see what Junior was out riding with his wife? When are we going riding? Oh, all right. That's well, what you know. It's like the, it's like these dudes just put stuff on Instagram, like you know this this this. You know, there actually is a professional cyclist. This kid, Lawson Craddock, he puts this 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 sweetest stuff up about his wife, and I'm like, dude, you can't do that. Yeah, like you, you're gonna, you're getting us all in trouble. Okay, that He's means setting too high of a standard. Yeah, if 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 your wife or my fiance sees that, they're like, well, where's my post yeah. like that? <laughs> yeah, and it's the same for riding. Yeah, okay. So that's why I shot you a note. I was like, dude, yeah, I wouldn't. I didn't know where you were going with that, but that makes sense. <laughs> I. <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of kidding. Yeah. I, I, I'm glad. I better say I'm really kidding. I mean, every yeah. woman listening is going to hate me forever. Oh, no, nah, I know. 
I, I think that it's, um, you know how hard it is to twist somebody's arm and get them on the bike in the first place. Yeah. And so the fact that she did it, I was really excited about it. And I, um, you know, she's pregnant and it's going to be a while, I guess, before she ever gets, we just, I just got her a new, they got a new cross rip trek. It's got the turn down bars and everything. Uh-huh. So it doesn't have the straight handlebar right. e-bike. It looks just like our road bikes, right. but it's got a battery on it. And we haven't rode that yet, but I'm excited for, uh, once she gets, you know, yeah. once we have the baby and everything. Anna's, on Anna's my wife to be is a, a badass cycle. She's yeah. done Ludville, I think three times and she's. We actually do. I, this is where I get, I get to be honest. We do do rides together. Right. Not, okay. Right. So here we're coming out in the clear. Yeah. <laughs> I was just giving you shit, man. <laughs> I have to give you shit. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Jimmy because, you know, he is a good friend of mine. He has been on the show and, and he is a great rider. He got you into riding. But but as a driver, I'm, you know, obviously he's won seven titles and yeah. your dad won seven titles and Richard Petty won seven titles. And, you know, if he goes on, if he's going to race for four more years, Let's just say he might win another one. He might win another one, sure. Which makes him the winningest driver, of, you know, of all time. Yeah. You know the to me it seemed, and I'm not as deep into NASCAR as you guys are. Obviously, mm-hmm. I mean, you're the you're the king of it. Um, but that that fan base, I don't know that it just seems to me that they'll still view your dad and and Richard Petty as as the best. And and I seem and I feel for Jimmy because I. It, it, it seems like he struggled to gain that yeah. that following. I feel the same way. I feel I, I I Jimmy wouldn't probably ever admit it, but I I have to believe and see it in his eyes sometimes. The maybe not the frustration, but maybe the some disappointment that that some people won't give him his due. Right. You know, he certainly earned um the the respect of. Uh, of his peers and the race fans and everybody who, who watches NASCAR for everything he's accomplished. There was a little tiny part of me that didn't want him to tie my dad. But then there's the other part of me that's a friend of his and a believer in him and knowing the, how good a guy he is and how hard he works that is happy for him. He's obsessed. Right. You know, I was split right down the middle. It was kind of, you know, you're going to, I was going to win either way. I, you know, if, if he didn't tie my dad, my dad's, you know, it's just still that my dad and Richard Petty was seven. But if he does win it, uh, it one of my friends has just right. you know done done the unthinkable. But but the, but that but it, the, the the you know the fan base still it, it's it's crazy to me. That, I, mean, I don't know if it's because I mean he is, uh, the, I mean he's very well spoken. He's very polished. He's yeah. very sophisticated. You know, and if you look at his if you just looked at his Twitter feed or Instagram feed, I mean it's not it's not the same as as uh, Tony Stewart's right. Right or or something. I mean, Tony Stewart's out and you know, like racing dirt tracks, and Jimmy's at an art museum benefit right. or skiing in Aspen. So I don't know if it's if it's a disconnect between the NASCAR nation yeah. or I don't think so because people, you know, we people view celebrities. You know, there's there's other celebrities with with lifestyles that I can't relate to right. that I still uh, am a am a huge fan of. Mm. You know and so I don't know if it's the I don't know if it's that they can't relate to Jimmy. I think that a lot of it is during the during the real peak of Jimmy's success when he was winning those championships back to back to back. He didn't really go out of his way to show his personality, mm. and I think that with having worked at Hank Motorsports, they're a conservative group. Uh, they don't like a lot of you know 
self-expression if it's you know if you know they get a little nervous when drivers uh you know tend to get outside the box that they're that they're comfortable living in and i think that jimmy's done jimmy has went out of his way to make his employer comfortable and confident in him to to live in that box and i can't you know i think that he's you know he's just sort of and a lot of times i don't think jimmy was really eager to you know show a lot of his private right, life right and he's 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 still very private about his personal life you know and and i've told him i've told him for years once we really got to know each other i was like man if people only knew who you were right they would love you right. you know if people only knew the real you and yeah. if you could somehow expose that to to the fans man they would they, they, you're the you're all american right. you know right. you're like the you know, it's he's a he's a perfect uh, representative for our sport. Yeah. But he just was really either uh, he would work. He would he was going along with with the blessings of the his employer, but at the same time, not really that eager to show it. Yeah. You know, yeah. not 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 feeling he's, that he's come out a bit. I he mean, has. Yeah, no, I think in the last couple super years, active on social. I mean, that's where these day and age, you know, you can tell. That's how you tell yeah. your story. And I think people definitely know a lot more about Jimmy now. Yep. than they used to. They used to say he was super vanilla when we all know he is not vanilla, you know? <laughs> but they just they just didn't know him otherwise. I did, we had dinner last night and I can tell you it wasn't vanilla. Yeah, exactly. No, it was on like Donkey Kong. <laughs> yeah, it was it was how important is and I was just cuz you were talking about the team and the staff and and I'm, I don't think the average fan or listener of this podcast understands how big this operation is, right? Hendrick Motorsports, which was the team you race for, the team Jimmy races for, is hundreds and hundreds of employees, you know, tens of millions of dollars. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the crew chief, and so in Jimmy's situation, you have Knaus, Chad Knaus, who, you know, by all accounts is 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 like the head coach, right? Like he's the guy, your crew chief, anybody's crew chief. Right. Like that's an important, it's not like he's like, okay, uh, good luck today, buddy, and, you know, buckle up. I mean, yeah. he's he's kind of like the Bill Belichick of of NASCAR. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, this uh, the crew chiefs are, and they are responsible for the car's ability to perform. I mean, if <laughs> if the car a driver can get some out of some, some a driver can make somewhat of a difference in a, in in the car for sure. Uh, but if the car can't do what you need it to do, right? Uh, it's not happening. This, happen. this is when every crew chief listening is 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 now calling the team owner asking for a raise after what. <laughs> yeah, I mean they get paid pretty well, um, and the good ones obviously. I mean it, the good good crew chiefs that that I mean it's obvious when you right. when you see a good crew chief and the owners know the owners know how to hang on to those guys and how to hang on to the drivers too that they they know they need. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a big business. Hendrick has over 500 employees. You go into the engine shop. There's 150 motors sitting there, ready to go. Um, there, you know, there's probably 40 motors that go to the racetrack each weekend. Mm -hmm. They go to the track. Um, only about a half of those actually get ran in the cars. Some of them are backups that are sitting in the haulers. They come back to the shop. They all get taken apart. I mean, it's a there's it, um, to be a competitive team in in NASCAR. Uh, you need about $20 million for one car. Rick has my owner, Rick. I still call him my owner. I'm not really used to right. calling him anything <laughs> else yet. But he uh, has four teams, so that's, you know. $80 million. Right. And that's just to be relatively competitive. Now, you know, there's 
there's a lot more. He, I bet there's, um, it, I bet it's more around 150 to 200 million dollars for a four car company mm. to be competitive when you bring when you're when you count everything else in that comes in. That, that's just the primary sponsor. There's associates and there's other there's motor oil companies and right. all kinds of people. Oh, there's just a million stickers on these cars. Yeah, yeah and everybody's every, paying. Yeah, everybody's paying right. something or. Or, deli- or providing a product, or and who makes the money on the merchandise? Well, the merchandise is kind of split between, uh, uh, the, believe it or not, the sponsors and the owners and the drivers. Obviously, if somebody buys a junior T-shirt, yeah, the merch- at the racetrack, right? The merchandise company gets a big cut of that yep. to, for the production of the of the shirt, and uh, then the owner and the sponsor and then the driver split the, re- the rest of the revenue there. Well, I don't know about that setup. Yeah. Well, I think it works pretty good. Because <laughs> you must sell a shitload of t-shirts at these things. Yeah. Hats, tees. Yeah. Hey, even your dad. I mean, you're, your dad's probably still the one of the most popular t-shirts, hats. Yeah. Well, I mean, when he was alive, that, that business was booming. Right. It was out of control. And uh, it's 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 changed quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the model changed. We went at, at our races... For years and years, the souvenir business was uh, handled through 18-wheelers. So I had four trucks that would drive to the track and set up all over the grounds of the racetrack. Full of tees and hats. And open up the side doors and sell them out of those haulers, yeah. out of the trailer. And then they, uh, about a couple years ago, they went to this tent model. They got rid of all the 18-wheelers, and they went to this giant, giant tent, like a little mall, mini mall, with all the drivers in one Pop tent. Pop-up mall. Yeah. And it, it suffered. And the fans didn't enjoy that experience. They liked the trailers. They liked the they they knew the people that worked the trailers by first name. They had an, it was a so the so that model suffered for a while. And we got the truck. You know, we reverted back to going to the trailers yeah. and having those around the racetracks, and they're dotted all over the, the the facility. And and the fans are the fans enjoy that experience for whatever reason. It's a little more. It's not as fancy, but right. it, you know, it's what they it's they enjoy that experience going up to the trailer and. Well, it's and, and you know, speaking of whether it's merch sales or how how they're sold or marketed or whatever, yeah. I mean, it's been well, you know, it's been well documented. NASCAR and and what it's going through, how it's kind of trying to re not trying kind of, but it is trying to reinvent itself yeah. in different formats and TV ratings are this and you know attendance is that and. I mean, what is the answer? I mean, it's because I love the sport. I love yeah. watching it on TV, and my son loves sitting there wa- with me watching it on TV. And but you can't argue with the ratings, and, right. and you know, and and Verizon goes away, and then Monster comes in for a, a bargain deal, and then which I think was a one year deal. I yeah, guess they're going to yeah, do it again. An option, yeah. And I mean, but you're junior, right? So <clears throat> if you were the France family, which you kind of are, because. Whatever you say goes should go. <laughs> so what should they do? All right. So there was a lot of things that has that had an effect on our sport. Obviously, I think that we are still feeling some of the uh, repercussions from the economic crisis we had many years ago. That sort of trickles down through the uh, the sport and the industry. Um, but it's we're 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 feeling the final you know, ripples of that, but it had, a, it's, it's affected us in a way the where we, we were kind of living high on the hog and, and yeah. everything was, everything was probably more robust than you it talking about to the be. sponsorship, the, the, you talking about the whole industry, the team, the whole industry, co- every, okay. everything it, it's affected 
contract salaries all the way down to the guy sweeping yep. the floor in the shop. So we all uh, we all had to realize that there's there's a new norm mm. as far as our worth and our value and what fans are willing to pay for it. Mm-hmm. And so got a reset, right? Yeah. Everybody got a reset, and we're you know we'd love to get back to those original numbers and that attendance and the and 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 viewership the <clears throat> well you leaving the game is not going to help well the the sport is the sport grows when it has uh compelling magnetic personalities like, like any sport right golf and tiger yep. basketball and jordan and yeah the nba is a great example now because they have a lot of really yep. great personalities and and those guys are expressive you know yep. they say whatever they want to say right. they're vocal uh, and communicate with fans on Twitter. Yep. KD and those guys, they talk back and forth on Twitter yep. like it like it's a conversation, you know. And they're just uh, they're a great example of of uh, of what you would like to have when when it comes to personalities within your sport or industry. Uh, our sport always sort of has this great influx of of talent that comes in all at once, and then there's this window of 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 no of nothing really happening no new guys coming in there's sort of a generation gap and then we have another flood of talent and Which they're talking about a lot i mean they're 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 you know these articles right. these young guys and yep. everybody's you know right now the in, new generation yep. right now in this moment we have a huge rush of young guys coming in yep. and this is uncommon uh in the last eight years there was maybe one guy every other year new guy that was really talented mm-hmm. and had really what it took um but here in the last couple of years, we've got a flood of guys coming in. It's that that doesn't you know that's not the answer. Uh, it's in itself. We have to figure out a way to talk to these guys and get them to understand what their role and responsibility is to uh, promote the sport. Right. And that doesn't mean uh, just go out there and win this race. Mm-hmm. You got to do things outside of the car that help elevate the sport and help engage fans, new fans. Right. Um, and I can only speak from my own experience, but, and I didn't do this on my own. This was, this was, this was, uh, influenced by other people above me that saw the vision. But when I first came into the sport, I got an opportunity to go into the Rolling Stone magazine. I did MTV Cribs several times. I did, uh, I got to, uh, introduce Lincoln Park on MTV Music Awards years ago. You were music video. Right. And yeah. so if, if. If you have people around you, uh, PR people and so forth, that can see that vision and pushing, and NASCAR can, NASCAR, the P, the NBC and Fox, those guys can get their foot in the door to get you those opportunities and put that driver in front of those people. The driver's got to be willing to go do it. Yep. Um, one of the guys that's really eager is Ryan Blaney. He doesn't say no to anything. He'll go to New York tomorrow, whatever you need him to do. He any goes to show, the envelope opening. Whatever you want him yeah. to do, he'll do it. And that's what we need. We need yeah. we need all the the young drivers. They just want to get in there and race, but they also got to understand that they have they need to have they need to feel a responsibility and eagerness to be active throughout the week, and be willing to go into these spaces that are uncomfortable, and that are outside of the bubble to promote the sport and bring new fans in. Because yeah, because the fan base is not. I mean, it, yeah, I I see what you're saying, but this, this this fan base that we currently have, or you guys currently have in NASCAR is used to you and your but, dad. Yeah, and our Petty. fan base has gotten older. 
and, that means and these we kids, are, you know, they're pretty soon they're going to have, you know, full sleeve tats and ear, yeah. you know, they're going to be different. Great. Yeah. That's well, awesome. I, yeah. Okay, good. Our fan base has gotten older. Yep. And that means that we're not, we're not producing new young. We're not bringing in new guys. And these kids are going to look like these they're coming out of the it. X Games. Yeah. And as, as opposed to, you know. And these kids also grew up, uh, born and raised, went through high school, whatever college experience they may have, in a social media world. Yep. Me, Jimmy, we learned it. Yep. You know, you, we yep. had to we had to get on there and, and learn the ropes. And yep. But these kids grew up in that world. Yep. And they're on Snapchat and platforms that, I mean, I'm not going to go on Snapchat. Right. But they're on those other platforms, aside from Instagram and Twitter, that where where those youth where the youth is where those kids are those are the channels those are the channels of you know we grew up with abc nbc and cbs and fox exactly no fox actually came later and then yeah but these kids the you know the youtubes and the snapchats and the the, you know yada that's the channel of the future yeah exactly that's why we're sitting here right now i mean this is a channel right like what you and i are doing your podcast you do you don't need fox to do that or nbc to do that you just do it yourself and put yeah. it out that we're, we're the producer we're the star we're the channel yeah which i love yeah and i think these kids that are coming into the sport can engage the young audience that we've been un- unable to uh you know reach yeah and, and but they ha- we have you know we they they're not going to do it on their own right you know they don't know they don't know how to do it on their own they have to have people just like i did they have to have people around them that can yeah. point and shoot yeah. And put them in the right place. Well, what about the, you know, in the old days, the, or for forever, you know, the race, they dropped the green flag and then at the end they had the checker flag and whoever yeah. was first was first. <laughs> yeah. And now, you know, this stages tw- and all that. This tweak of the, of the formula of the race with, you know, first stage and second stage. And I mean, junior. Yeah. I don't, I don't get it. Well, I, not only do no, I no, not no, yeah. get it because I just don't get it. Like yeah. I don't understand, but also, don't agree. Yeah. I I felt I really fought hard against change and there's a lot of things that I'm I'm a nostalgic and and I I there's a lot of things about the sport that I wish were just tradition and you just don't mess with. Yeah. Um and I I'm it's it's hard for me to accept a lot of the things that are happening in the sport, but there there are some things, some new things that I do like. Um, I like the double file restarts that we brought in. I like, um, why can't we just start at the green flag and end at the checkered? I, I kind of like the stages. I, the, so, (laughs) you know, the stages, here's, here's where we were before that. And I'm just going to be, you know, this is the way I saw it. All right. This is my own opinion. And not factor, you know, this is just my view of right. it. We started, we were racing, and, and NASCAR would throw these cautions for debris uh, every once in a while. And, boy, it would frustrate you as a driver because you're in there working. You want to be racing, not caution. You know, you don't want to be stopped. And, but sometimes if you're behind, well, it doesn't, it's a blessing. I, yeah, but it was rare when you, yeah. you, you know, you just hated the cautions that didn't seem to be necessary. Right. And we all, you know, there's a lot of communication on social media and so forth from the fan base and the drivers, and we'd complain about it. Well, was that a real caution? Did that need to happen? Because you guys have, like, Jimmy showed me, you guys have, like, a, I don't know if it's a group text, but you guys, all the drivers are on one, 
let's just call it a group text. Sure. Like he's something, you know, if somebody wants to talk shit about somebody, like it, it the stuff that goes down on this group text, like if the world could see is yeah. the greatest. <laughs> yeah. So NASCAR uh, and the, basically the, uh, the networks got together and said, we got to do something. We, right. you know, we, we numbers can't. Numbers are down. Numbers down. These cautions aren't good. Fans hate these fake mm. cautions, phony cautions. And, but we need some sort of halftime or, or end of a quarter. We need a period where there we can cut to commercial and not miss actual racing. And the fans will know it's coming. The drivers will know it's coming because we hated not knowing when they were going to throw this BS yellow. Right. And so they said, all right, we're going to do these stages. And this was mainly came from the networks, not NASCAR. The networks wanted the stages because they felt like it would bring in some you know, some, some and 2017 work. was the first year yes, of, of this, this year, format. Yeah. Yeah. So the stages come in, and now at least as a driver, you know when the cautions are coming out. And you can strategize to the stages and race how you want to race. And there were less phony yellows. And that, that to me, was a, was a trade, mm. you know? If, and they throw the phony yellow, but the caution flag, because they like the restart. Because they restart, want the bunch to feel back up. Yeah, they, they want everybody. That, that restart's like, exciting. They feel like that they're losing their audience when there's two, there's the, when the green flag's out there too long. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and you and don't want to hit. I mean, if you're going 200 miles an hour and you hit a, a, you know, piece of plastic off a car, it's not a big deal. Oh, it's not. No. Oh. Yeah. I see, and I, I can thought, see it. I can miss. I it. thought you'd flatter. <laughs> I can try to miss it. <laughs> right. I mean, if it's a real. You know, they have guys that are sitting around the racetrack with binoculars, and and they can see everything on the track. I mean, yeah. if it's a real hazard, I, of course I want them to throw the caution. But if it's laying out of the groove, out of the way, usually tracks with banking, they self clean. So if something falls off, it rolls down the bottom of the track, out of the way, out of the groove. There's no reason to stop right. the action. Yeah. And and I like things to play out naturally. I don't like things to feel manipulated. Yeah. And okay. When they would throw that yellow, it felt like they were manipulating the race. Yep. Even if there was a legitimate piece of debris on the track. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but if it was, as long as it was out of the way, I'm like, I'm, I'm from, I don't want to say old. It's kind of old school. Played out, but yeah, I'm from the old school, and and man, they they raced in the '80s with shit laying everywhere. Yeah. And car, you know, cars parked, on, you know, out of the way, right. and and debris everywhere. You know, they just raced, yep. and it was pure. And so that, that, there's a part of me that wants that and, and wants to keep that as intact as much as possible. Yeah. But if I have to trade you some stages for no no fake yellow, yellows, I'll yeah. do it. And oh, well, then I guess they know. I mean, they had yeah. a whole season of it. I mean, and it, and, and I'll tell you another thing too. Fox and NBC should be able to tell you if it was if the fans the, supported that. The business side of me, uh, or the businessman in me, sees an opportunity for. We have failed on the fantasy platform forever, and and we all know how successful that has been for it's crazy NFL and other sports. Crazy. Our fantasy platform just never has really taken off, and why wouldn't it? it we're, I mean, it's racing. It it should be a great environment for mm -hmm. fantasy to succeed, but we've never been able to really have anything exciting scoring from the green flag to the checkered flag. Mm -hmm. You basically just sit there and see how you guys finish, yeah, and that's the end. Miles. Yeah. Well, with the stages, there's opportunity to actually score drivers in fantasy as the race is going. And so there's – whether people will seize on that, whether the smart people will hmm. seize on that and make money in fantasy in, in NASCAR, there's great potential there, I think. Hmm. And no other F1 and all that, they don't have that. They don't have fantasy. I don't believe they do. Yeah. I wonder if they have it in cycling. Dave, do they have that in cycling fantasy? You're right. This shit, I mean, there's – like our local paper, like there's an entire page – 
every day devoted to fantasy football. I'm like, what? Right. I've never even played that. That's I don't even know what. So much, so much money there to be made and uh, opportunity for NASCAR. Yeah, people start talking about it like on group rides and stuff. I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? I mean, it's Greek to me. Like I, I have no. Yeah. You ever get scared? I mean, you're now yeah, you're tired, sure. but you you're, you get scared out there. And I had this conversation <laughs> with Bodie Miller. You know, these yeah. dudes are skiing a hundred miles an hour. Yeah. You know, we go downhill. And, and not to repeat the question, but you and Bodie and myself, I mean, we were all sort of in the same, like we would get scared. And yeah. I told Bodie this, I was like, I would be so scared. Like you can go on 70 downhill in the rain with 200 guys. Right. And I was thinking, I think I'm the only one who's scared. <laughs> and then I'd get to the bottom and I'd be like, you know, find somebody that speaks English. I'm like, yo, dude, that was scary. Were you scared? And they were like, oh my God. Never been that scared, right? I'm like, oh, thank God, I wasn't the only wuss out here that got scared. Yeah, you guys get scared. Yeah, absolutely. I um, <clears throat> I couldn't never shake that feeling of being scared, and so I always I just assumed at toward the end of my career that if you weren't scared, you weren't human. Like right. there was something wrong with you if you weren't. But <clears throat> I was always most nervous about, and it was never really a fear of danger or injury or or it was all it was always there was some racetracks that you're just you know wow this if something happened this could be bad yeah. uh, from a physical standpoint so there was there was some tracks that give you that but most places you went and ran at and with everything in our cars and all the safety in our cars you felt safe yeah but i always had a fear of failure god almighty i hated that yeah and that's one of the things that i'll never miss is that fear of failure right I had that every day and especially like getting into the car for qualifying or getting in the car for the race, that fear that you're not going to carry your end of the bargain hmm. or, you know, that, you know, by the time that you're getting in the car for the race, just about what kind of car you have, yep. what kind of house, how much speed you've had over the yep. weekend. And you're like, all right, I'm, I see what the competition's doing. I see what I'm doing. I think I should finish fifth. All right. So, uh, if you don't, you know, and you get in a car and you're like, man, I hope I don't screw this up, yeah. you know, cause there's, cause you know, you got a fast car yeah, and then that yeah. fear of failure and, but I'm talking about fear, like scared, like hitting the wall yeah. or, you know, or flipping I the had car. That. Or, I mean, these cars, when they start flipping, I mean, uh, yeah. that's just insane. The I fact had, that people walk away from these crashes. Yeah. I had that one race and boy, it was, it was an awful experience. I, had gotten a concussion in 2012. I missed a couple races. I'd had more, I'd had, you know, I'd had concussions before, but didn't know what they were, right. you know, and didn't know how to handle it. You know, it was kind of a bragging thing. Oh man, I'm woozy, you know, right. going to drive this car. I don't remember anything. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, it was yeah. crazy. Uh, and so I had this co concussion in 2012 and I missed a couple races and I got back in the car and I went back to, uh, I, I, uh, the year later, I'm at this same racetrack that I got this concussion at at Talladega. And there was a late restart with about 10 laps to go. And there's about 20, 25 cars in the pack and they're three wide. And I mm. couldn't convince myself to get in the middle of it. And all I had to do was just drive up in there and get in the middle of it and do my best and try to figure out how to get forward. And I couldn't do it. I was just scared. I was like, they're going to crash and I don't want to hit anything. I don't want my head to hit anything. Wow. And so I just knew that if I got, in a, I just thought, you know, if I get up in there and crash, I'm going to get hurt again and I don't want to get hurt again. Wow. And so I rode, literally, I rode about 10 car lengths behind them, the last to the end. And it was, it was embarrassing. 
Um, not I don't know that anyone knew right. what I was thinking. They're just like, what's going on? Why is it, you know, why is he yeah, driving up in there? Yeah, the, what's the going on? Yeah. What's the matter? What's, what's wrong with Junior? Yeah. And, um, but I, and I got out of the car and went to the, you know, that track just sort of had a way, that was the, that's the only track really, that one in Daytona, are the only two tracks that would get to me that way. Mm. And so I had to, and I could race every other racetrack without that ever entering my mind. But at those two tracks, I was scared hmm. of physical injury. And so to keep going, this was in 2013 when this happened, to keep going and to race further and to go to those tracks and try to compete and run well, we ended up going back and winning at Talladega a couple of years later in 2015. I just had to say, I'm not religious, you know, super duper. Um, I know, I'm, I mean, I don't, I don't want to go to hell, but right. you know, I'm, nobody, nobody does. Right. But I'm not going, you know, I'm not, I don't talk to God every day, mm-hmm. but I just had to sit down and say, man, I've got to drive and not care mm-hmm. about getting hurt. I can't, if I, if not, if I don't, if I keep doing this, I'm going to get found out. I'm going to be ashamed. I'm going to have to quit. Yep. So and you're you. Yeah. You're, you're. You're, I can't. I can't go through that. Your NASCAR so, royalty. So I went back to when I would go back to those tracks all the way up until I retired. I just said to myself, I'm, you know, if it's my day to get my head, you know, my bell rung, it's my day to get my bell rung, mm-hmm. you know, and I've just got to go in there and drive up in the middle of the shit and hope it doesn't happen, you know, mm-hmm. and you know if it and leave it in God's hands or you know, right. And whatever you want to, whatever you want to say. So that was not easy to do. No. When you're going 200 and, <laughs> yeah. and, 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 but yeah, I was able to, I did get hurt again. And you're, and well, this season you were out for in 16, I was out a half a year, half a year because yeah. of another concussion. Yeah. I got hurt again. Which is just, this concussion thing is, and it's, and again, not to yeah. keep bringing it up, Bodie talked no, about fine. skiing. I mean, in cycling. I like talking about it because I. It's, I, you know, obviously it's in the, it's in the New York Times every day. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a hot issue and parents want to talk about it, want to know about it. Yeah, I want to talk about football. it to be able to educate people. Yeah. But it's, it's real. I mean, yeah, it's super real. I, when I got hurt in 16, I couldn't walk. I mean, I couldn't get off. I, I'd stand up off my couch and all over seriously yeah that's getting your belt i got off. video of me in my rehab not able uh, i i had i would go in where i ride where i ride my trainer i had this little gym that amy and me use in the house in a little detached garage and so i had to walk one foot in front of the other kind of like you uh, uh sobriety test yeah and i couldn't take i couldn't do two steps without going off to the right or going that's off insane. to the left I, I was like that for four months i mean it was I was scared that that was the rest of my life, you know. But if that happens in 2006, 10 years, you're you're probably still out there the next weekend. Oh yeah. That you're, is just nuts. Yeah. I had re- I wrecked it, I wrecked at a race and went and ran the next race around 2004, 2005 and spun out on a straightaway going straight. I mean, who, you know, pretty stupid. Yeah, who does that? Yeah, and I was lo- I, when I was spinning around, I didn't know which way it was up. I was and get out of the car and go, man, that was fun, you know, or, or man, you know, my head's dizzy. This right. is crazy. Meanwhile, you know? there's 40 other human beings around you in <laughs> yeah. cars, but you know, complete ignorance. Yeah. But 
And your father passed at, at Daytona. That was at that track. Which track did he? Yeah, Dad was killed at Daytona. Daytona. Daytona five hundred. I'll never. I, w- I was watching that race, and I and I I remember this so well. Uh, I remember where I was so well because I was. This is two thousand one, so this is, you know, I'd won two tours, going for number three, and it was off season, and we were, uh, we, I was doing a training camp, and I was staying on the top of. You ever been to Tucson? No. Right. So it's a lot, lot big cycling scene, great, great training, but there's this mountain there called Mount Lemon, and it's eight thousand feet. So I was renting this house on top, on top of Mount Lemon, like nobody does that. Like it was, just, it was the lon- loneliest existence. So I'm just sitting there watching the race, and the your dad's crash just seemed so benign, like it was. It's like, oh, I mean, it, it, it wasn't, you know, the car didn't tumble right, 20 yeah. times, catch on fire. Mm-hmm. Didn't, it just seemed like it just, the car went into the wall. And it, and I was actually talking to, I talked to Jimmy this morning about it. And, you know, cause I wasn't, I needed to refresh my memory that you were in there. You actually got second in the race. You were running second. Your dad was running third. I mean, I can't even imagine. And you probably thought it was a mild crash too. Yeah. I didn't think much of the crash itself. When it happened, I mean, I was disappointed because I knew that dad was, we had talked at the start of the day and dad was telling me and Michael, we could win the race. And, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I, I mean, I want to try to win, right. but who's, who's, who has that, you know, we just didn't have those conversations. So it was really odd. Uh, but he's like, man, you and Michael, if y'all work together, y'all can win. And I'm like, well, why? Cause you guys were teammates. Yeah. I'm like, why don't you want to win? Why? <laughs> right. And here we were coming down to the last lap and he's running third and he's sort of you know, he's blocking the guys, but right. you got to block. Right. Uh, he's on y'all's team too? No, but he not, owns but our he... cars. Oh. Yeah. So he owns our cars driving for a different team. Gotcha. And he's blocking like you have he's to. the king. Yeah. He's got his hand in everything. Yeah. Yeah. And here we come. And, and I looked up in the mirror and he's crashed and I thought, damn, you know, well, we won like he, th- like he wanted us to. Yeah. He's probably, you know, disappointed his, about his day, but we're going to all, we'll all meet in Victor Lane in about five, ten minutes. Yeah. And this is going to be great because dad's team won a freaking Daytona 500. And I came back around uh, after the checkered. We come back around to come down pit road, and I saw all the medical people and the wreckers and just a huge scene, you know. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like, "That's not, not natural. That's something's ser- seriously something's wrong." Wrong. So I got out of, out of my car and I ran to the Infield Care Center, which is where they take the drivers immediately after a crash. Where you and, have to go. It's mandatory. Yeah. Right. So I knew he'd be there. That's where they take him, and just to make sure everything's cool. And I walked through there. I walked into the door and was just kind of hustling through it, like looking in every room. <clears throat> and I saw Kenny Schrader, who was in the accident with my dad. He was in the M&M's yellow car. And I locked eyes on him, and I just knew as soon as uh, – the, the look on his face. I was like, this is something seriously wrong. This is something bad. Like, I, I don't know what it is, but this is not good. <clears throat> and so I left – Somebody must have said, you know, they're taking him straight to the hospital. And so we got uh, me and somehow me and my uncle Danny, my dad's brother, he was on my team. Mm-hmm. We got in a, a police car and they took us over to the hospital. And so, and that, I mean, they, you know, he was gone when we got there. And it was just, uh, it was awful. Yeah. You know, as you'd imagine it, it'd right. be. Of but course. I, um, it was awful for everybody. I mean, not yeah. the. I mean, obviously for sure. You, guys, for I, you the know, family, and, but but it, it was just such. I I couldn't put my get my mind around yeah. it just because it didn't seem. Yeah, it seemed it did, real. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, I. You know, and I think that that part, part that part of it maybe helped me through it was that it affected so many people. Oh my god! Yeah. You know, and and hearing 
how it affected so many yeah. people sort of made me more proud of him and 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 made it it didn't hurt as bad to lose him because wow you know he was something right. he was bigger than we even right. knew yeah, exactly right still is i thought he was this huge thing and then when you know over the next several over the next week seeing the impression that he had on on people that i didn't even know paid attention right right was incredible but uh yeah i mean that was a difficult time and but you went out and drove the next week i did then now that i would not be doing yeah i didn't know what else to do i didn't have anybody telling me what to do (laughs) i didn't have anybody giving me the options of all right here's your option there's no guidebook for for i thought if i went home and watched that race that i would go insane like i thought i'd lose my mind if i if i was not at the track even maybe maybe just going to the track and not racing would have been fine but we competed and his our his team won that race Mm -hmm. the next race you know his car won again so he won the first his team won the first two races of that year three car no the team he owned the one i drove for i gotcha dylan hart incorporated so nobody hopped in the three car no well the that's how Kevin Harvick got his start in Cup. Um, he he became the he replaced my father. Uh, they parked the number three, but that team with the number twenty nine on the side uh, went on the rest of the year with Kevin Harvick driving it. And Kevin did an amazing job. They went to Atlanta and won in a couple weeks. Um, and Kevin, imagine having to fill in for Dale Earnhardt. No, I can't. Right, and right. and so Kevin did an amazing job that year of not only just being amazing, you know, great behind the wheel and great for the team and, and basically saving RCR, Richard Childress Racing, who my dad was driving for, he had a huge – that was big for, for that team and that company. But Kevin did everything right outside the car. Interviews, you know, he just said all the right things right. And, and made it real easy for all of us, me, um, to you know accept I, a, that him, you know, accept him being in there. Now, what I never understood, and I asked Jimmy this too – you know, it's just logical that, or I mean, I guess it's not logical because it's not the rule, but I was like, well, Junior needs to be in the three car. Yeah. Like, I'm, I think most fans are like, well, he's going to be, he'll be in the three car. Yeah. But that, but come to find out, the teams actually own the numbers, numbers. not the drivers. Right. Yeah. And I, I didn't want to drive the three. I you just, didn't. I had already lived under his shadow as it was, and I didn't want to make that bigger. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to make that shadow and, and, comparison more difficult um <clears throat> that's understandable yeah so i just I, and i had a good group that i was with you know i was, I was with a team that i was very fond and close with mm. so and I, you were in the eight car yeah so i was happy where i was at and i had the bud sponsorship and all that we were having fun we had you a were in the troy time. aikman car we had a great run and you ended in the michael irvin <laughs> car yeah <laughs> oh you know what and not to think i mean i know that's not easy to share stories like that and personal stuff about I've never lost a parent, so I don't, you know, I don't know what that's like, but you know, and I was, I was uncomfortable. I was like, I, I don't, I don't think we should even talk about that. Yeah. No, nah, you're, you're tough to, to talk about it. Yeah. I don't, I think it's good to talk about it. Yeah. I, I feel like that, uh, it's been 15 years. Yeah. It's been a long time mm-hmm. and I, I don't know. I, I don't, <clears throat> I like to talk about it and I don't, I was always afraid that people would forget who he was, you know. No, that's not going to happen. I know, but <laughs> you seeing it, you know, we're, you know, you don't, you don't have, we're, we don't, we didn't realize, I didn't realize, and his family didn't realize how big he was. We we knew, we thought we knew he was big, but we just live in that world, you know, in that yeah. little NASCAR world, and 
we didn't realize how influential influential he was outside of that. And I just never wanted anybody to forget who he was and what he. I wanted people, fifteen years later today, to feel the impact that he made, just as they felt it when he was alive. Right. Right. And so I don't mind talking about it, and it's good to kind of go over it every once in a yeah. while. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Thanks for sharing it. Yeah, no problem. So let's talk about something else you love. Sure. The Washington Redskins. Yeah. How, first of all, why? Yeah. I mean, you're from North Carolina. I know. I guess they didn't have the Panthers back when you were growing up. There's your answer. I okay, well, was it but the Falcons are closer? No. So my mom. I mean, don't you think? I mean, I, I guess it's right. a good question. Aren't you supposed to, like, find the, like, if you're in Austin where we live and you don't, we don't have a football team, then you should probably like the Cowboys right. or the Texans. Good for somebody in your state. I mean, you would never pick. The Steelers. Right. So like you- this is how that happened. My um, my mom and dad divorced in 78, and um, my mom moved – actually, uh, my mom moved to Norfolk in 1981, and the first game I remember watching was the Super Bowl. They beat the Miami Dolphins in 1982. And as a kid, when you're five, six years old, and you watch your first football game, mm-hmm. you pick the – you're going to, like – pull for the winner of course <laughs> whoever wins the game that's who is yeah that's that's left an impression not, on you that's not a good thing but that's what yeah. kids do that's what my kids that do. leaves an impression yep. on you you attach to that yep. so i attached to them and my mom lived in norfolk uh for 20 years uh from 1981 on and when i'd go up there that's all that you would see is redskins fans and she would buy me you know jerseys and helmets and all, all that right. stuff for christmas and so i just well, that's not as strange as it isn't. As, no, like my like my son, he loves yeah. the Patriots. I'm like, why? Max, yeah, you you live in Austin. He must have seen them play and win. No, because he and we went to the Super Bowl last year. Yeah, um, it, but he loves you know they like we talked about a second ago. The, it's about the players, the personalities. I mean, he loves Tom, Tom Brady. Brady. He loves Gronk. He loves so he loves Patriots. Yeah. And so that's that's his. He's, They're he's an easy not team a, to like. So well, I can right now, yeah, I can understand that. But what happens in ten years when they suck? And I'm like, well, he's he won't like them anymore. Yeah, well. If he's, uh, you know, if he's, he'll probably be loyal and stick to him. I think that it's, uh, it, after you invest so much into a team, it's hard. I mean, these last several, this last decade or two has been difficult being a Redskins fan. Right. So freaking hard. But I, I grew up in Dallas, I, and I talk about the Dallas Cowboys all the time on this podcast. Imagine, I mean, the fact that the Cowboys. Yeah, this year's had been a real big, big disappointment. Every year. Yeah. I mean, we haven't gone to the Super Bowl since 1996 or something. Yeah, I mean, 91 just, for the Skins. That's even longer. That's so. Yeah, that's, so I can relate. All right, so should they franchise tag Kirk Cousins? No, they should probably give him a deal. I mean, I'm, I think all the fans are tired of the tag. I think the tag this year is going to be thirty some million, um, and it's just a circus. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of doing the dance. Let's either sign him or go ahead and draft a guy that we think is going to be you okay. know, his replacement and let him go. You know, get his deal wherever he and wants what, to go. How get does it. RG three flame out like that? Like the dude is like as a as a uh, rookie. Yeah. I mean, he's amazing. Yeah, and then boom. Yeah, I think that. Uh, the I mean, in- I mean, I know he blew up the knee, yes. but they fix those things like yeah. you like you fix your tire. They thought, now, they, I mean. they fixed it, but it kept he kept he injured it a second time. I think that. And his dad was in the kitchen. Yeah, I think that um, the Shanahan deal went south. You know, Kyle turns out to be this amazing coach right? right goes to san francisco and they're, they're they're turning that around i wouldn't be you know saw what he did with the falcons yep. last year so that's just that's what's tough being about being a redskins fan we had mcshay that goes to the rams and now the rams are this fuck 
freaking great team, right? Yeah. That right. he was he was the assistant. Young guys. Yeah, yeah. he was yeah. assistant at um at the Redskins last year and has been there for like three or four years and they're like, This guy's so great, he's so smart. And then the Redskins let him leave for the Rams and become right. you know, turn the Rams around. What I mean, why don't we see these guys and keep them? You know, like Buddy, why do we? You're, you're talking to a frustrated Dallas Cowboys yeah. fan. I, I this is the same conversations we all have with ourselves. Right. Speaking of circus, I mean, and it 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 comes and goes. Right. This circus about the name, right? Change the name, and you know, the papers rally behind it, and the and the uh, the groups rally behind it, and then it goes away. Then it comes back, and then it goes. I mean, it's, but it's not actually. It's not totally ever going to go away. I mean, people are going to be on Dan Snyder forever. Yeah, to change the name. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I don't know what I've. There's no easy answer. <laughs> there ain't he, no easy answer. And and I, he's dug in. Yeah, I know. He's made his bed. Right. Right. I personally wouldn't care if they changed it. I'll be honest. I'll be honest with you. I um, you know, if he's going to be hard headed about it and stay stick with the Redskins, that's fine too. But if they change it to the Warriors tomorrow, I'd still be a fan. I'd still pull for him just as hard. Um, I'd still it wouldn't change the way I feel about him. Yeah. Um, so. I guess I, I mean, because this, at first, I was like, oh no, they can't change the name, you know? No, you know, they've been the Redskins. But after this has been going around and around and around for so long, I'm about to the point to where I could care less. Yeah. Yeah, it's still the same. Yeah. But he has made his decision. Yeah, no, he, he, no, no, he's real clear. No, no. And (laughs) yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I met that guy once. He actually, I think he has a place here in Aspen. He's super cool. I mean, he, his, I love him. He's got his big ass jet. You yep. know, the, you've seen his global with the the logo on the tail. Yep. I mean, he you know sends, he's in town. I, he sends me an invitation to every game. Really? Yep. And he knows I'm racing. Yeah. Well, yeah. now, now, well, now you're going to have but, TV gig. Yeah. Half the year. I think that it's just so cool that even though he knows I'm at the racetrack, yeah. that I get an invitation to come. I don't, I don't know. I think that's really neat. That is very yeah. neat. Yeah. Um, you have been voted by the fans as the, as the most popular driver for 15 years. I mean, that's, by the way, no sport, nobody, no athlete, nobody could ever say that. Yeah. 15 years in a row, fans say, that's our favorite guy. And it's probably a landslide. I mean, nobody, second place is like, you know, an hour yeah. behind or something. Who's going to be, who's going to win now? Who's going to win can, now? And can, part two of the question, can they write you in? We should probably know. No, they can't write me in. So who's going to win? It's going to be close between Chase Elliott and Blaney. Hmm. That's my bet. Um if I had rolled dice, I'd say that, um, you know, it, a year ago, I'd tell you Chase um, right. outright. But Blaney in this last year. Who's, who's went the out, one you talked about yep, that's hustling. He went out and won a race, and he performed um, as well off the track. He, he was doing uh, – so he he's doing things that uh, – I think all the other drivers ought to be doing as far as getting outside the box and outside the NASCAR bubble and going and doing TV shows that we would never think a NASCAR would be right. on, you know, yep. late night shows. And he was on uh, Watch What Happens Live with Andy Cohen, and which we watch a lot of Bravo in our house okay? because Amy controls the TV. But I like a lot of the, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of Bravo and watch a lot of the shows too. Um, Is that where your show's going on? The DIY? No. It's okay. going on DIY network on uh, HGTV. Okay, but uh, you're gonna be like the new. What are those people in Waco? The 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 make over the houses. Oh yeah, Frick, I can't remember. That and they're name. retired. They're yeah, stopping. They're, stopping. The, they're not gonna do it anymore. So you got you and Amy can be the new. This is a one and done. Okay. Yep. All right. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, it's fun, but it doesn't make it doesn't pay a thing. It it's funny, make any like money. the name, but but going back to Blaney, like that name, like I don't. 
I don't even know who that like if right. if he walked in right now, I'd be like, "Who are you?" Yeah, like I don't know who that is yet. Like right. I'm. Well, he's doing things. He's he was on Watch What Happens Live, which I wanted to be the first driver on that show. I mean, that's just so out of the box for NASCAR. There's not probably not a lot of NASCAR fans watching that show. Not a lot of NASCAR fans watching Bravo t- TV. And uh, I just, you know, he's on that. It blew me away. I was like, I can't believe that Blaney went and did that. Yeah. And he was like, hell yeah, I want to go do that. That sounds fun. I don't, you know, he's just. Where's he from? Where's Blaney from? They're, they're. Their family's from Ohio, I believe. Yeah. Because in the old days, everybody was from Charlotte. Yeah. Everybody lived in Charlotte. I think Dave Blaney's from Ohio. They call him the Buckeye Bullet. So I, um, sounds like Ohio. Yeah. So, but they, you know, he, um, so he's given Chase Elliott, who Chase has the, the heritage, the, the last name, the, he's, he's a, he's a, he's ready made. His dad was Bill. He's plug and play ready made. Right. If he can go, if Chase who, can go out there and engage the fans outside the car, who um, got second this year? I don't know. Nobody knows. Oh, they don't know. No, they won't. No, they won't reveal. Oh, really? Yeah. Ah. But I believe that you know. I believe that Blaney. I think Chase you got can second. Find out. You can find it. Yeah, but I believe that Blaney's giving him, give, okay. you know, give him, gonna give him a run for the money. All right, last question. Because I've never, ever, ever heard of this in my life, and 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 I, I, I and I never wanted to hear about it. <laughs> Who in the hell eats a banana and mayonnaise oh my sandwich? So, and, and not only eats it, it's their favorite sandwich. All right. So, Dave, have you ever heard of a banana? <laughs> this Junior's favorite, like my favorite sandwich, Dave can tell everybody in my family, is chicken salad sandwich. Chicken I salad. eat it for 10 years. I eat it every day for lunch. Really? And now I kind of hate it. But yeah. but it's my, it's, it is my favorite sandwich. You Banana and mayo sandwich. Yeah. So in... Uh, it's it it seems to be a southeastern, I, I, yeah. I guess. So it seems to be mainly from from the southeast, and that caused quite an uproar when I uproar when I talked about that sandwich. Um, I didn't know that it was so. I didn't know the country was so divided. Yeah. Uh, there was no middle ground, and I uh, when I was young. There was peanut butter and banana. There was banana and mayonnaise. There banana was and honey. I mean, I got all yeah, that. That's all cool. There was, uh, it was basic. You know, we were basic people. We yeah. had, we had, uh, a lot of times, you know, it was bologna, fried bologna, um, just a tomato sandwich with salt and pepper and mayo. Uh, that was dad's favorite. White bread. Yeah. No wheat bread. No wheat bread. Nobody the, ate wheat bread till. No, they didn't, the, right. We yeah, all we had, got, we we all like got w- self-conscious. Wonder, yeah. wonder, white, yeah. just as white as it could be. Yeah, wheat and, bread didn't come around till we started thinking about our bodies. And the banana yeah. and mayo sandwich is on white bread. Yeah, I mean, really, it doesn't matter. Toasted or not on, toasted, it, that doesn't matter. It can be. And one of the things that I Hellman's think, or does that doesn't matter. I'm a Hel- I'm Hellman's. Hellman's is my sponsor, gotcha. so it's Hellman's. Oh. And I, I think there's a da- there's a distinct taste between you know brands. So right. and I like Hellman's flavor the best. Okay. But I, I will say this. This is, and this goes against what Hellman's wants me to say. So, but I, to be quite honest, we'll edit it out if, they, if you. No, it, it matters how much mayonnaise you put on there. You don't put a lot of mayonnaise on there. Okay. Hellman's is going to want you to put a lot and put it on both pieces of bread. Sure. All right. You spread it, spread it on one side like butter, thin like butter. Okay. So it's not a lot of mayo. Okay. And then the, the banana. That's it. It's good. So, have you the, ever ate one? 
No, should, and I never will. Well, I shouldn't well, say I never will, but I, maybe give, I should try. But that, for try. the listener at home, that's that's been your, you know, you know, like I talk about my special margarita that I make, and oh. I tell people the ingredients and the and the proportions and and the and the type of tequila. I just uh, I like margaritas. Yeah, I'll make you one. It's called okay. a Lancerita. Okay. And so now the the listener and the viewer now now that we got video because we're so fancy in twenty eighteen. Um, now they know how to make a banana and mayo yeah. sandwich. They know what kind of mayonnaise, what kind of bread. The the bananas just sliced up in a little. Slice. However you want, you can slice it long, you know, okay. long ways or whatever. I mean, I'll I'd, try I'd, it. I do it long ways, like pickles, because it's just easier to put on. It doesn't, you know, they fall if you cut, slice them the other way, they fall out of the, the sandwich sometimes. Yeah, I, I I can see this is not. I'm not convinced. No, you. well, you're not. You're not convincing me. No, of course, but and and I'm not sure you're going to convince anybody no, listening. It's it's really a divided. Uh, topic. I couldn't believe it when I when I I don't know what interview it was you did and and you started talking about it and I was like this is a yeah. joke. My other I I do have a, another favorite but um, Doritos on ham with mayo. That's really good. What kind of Doritos? Uh, just regular Doritos. Regular, not Cool Ranch. Because yeah. I love yeah. love love. I love imagine cool ranch. yeah, everybody loves Cool Ranch. I like the original. That's like crack, and I've never had crack, but I mean it. Yeah. Like when we're road tripping, Anna gets so mad at me. I'm like we'll pull over, large Sprite from the fountain, you know. Yep. And a big old bag of Cool Ranch that just leaves this just shit all over your yeah. fingers, and you're like rubbing it on the carpet yeah. or you know your leg. It's just I mean, but dang, they taste good. Yeah, I like putting them in sandwiches. There. Okay, all right, buddy. Junior, thanks for being here. My pleasure. I'm coming on your podcast. All right. Yeah, you got cycling questions. So for the I'm listeners. ready. Yeah, I've got a lot of questions as a young cyclist. Uh, as a young, as a well, new, as a new, new cyclist. as a new cyclist, you ain't young to be able to interview you. I've got a lot of questions, and I'm sure we've got a lot of fans that have some too. All right, let's do it. All right, thanks, buddy. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Forward Podcast. Like I said at the top of the show, any suggestions or questions, send me an email. The new one, the forward at wedo.team. And we do is spelled W-E-D-U. The forward at wedo.team. Thanks for tuning in each and every week. Look forward to talking to you next week.